0: Baltimore is known for its lightning-fast plays. And with Arundel Federal Savings Bank, you can capitalize on that. Make football season more exciting by opening a Goalmaker Savings Account with Arundel Federal Savings Bank. Every time Baltimore scores a passing touchdown during the 2022 season, your interest rate will increase by 0.10%. Now that's real smart banking. Terms and conditions apply. Visit ArundelFederal.com for more info. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.
1: Banking with Arundel Federal Savings Bank means so much more than you think. Your money stays in the local community. It helps everyone grow and prosper. From a young couple moving into their first ever home, to a growing family getting the bigger house they need. What else would you expect from one of the best community-minded banks in all of Maryland? Visit ArundelFederal.com for current rates and special offers, and help keep it local. Remember FDIC and Equal Housing Lender.
0: we uh, we m- may not be alone.
1: This is the Garden of Doom.
2: Welcome everyone into Garden of Doom and our October spooktober continues um, with an interview with Madam X. Now, first of all, first I want to say hello and good evening, Madam. How are you?
3: I'm well, thank you for having me.
2: Of course. Now, I want to make a confession to the audience. This is actually the second time that I am recording with Madame X. The first time something went wrong and it didn't take. So uh, hopefully that will benefit the show because some of the questions I asked really out of ignorance just had nothing to do with uh, her areas of expertise. And she's got about a million areas of expertise. So... This will be better, but if the if you ever hear me during the course of the show referencing when we last spoke or our last conversation, you didn't miss anything. You didn't miss a part one. It's just because it's, you know, I'm I'm doing this live. You're not hearing it live. And so I'll probably be referring to that. So Madam X is a matriarch. She's a muse. She's a journeyer. She's a collector of souls, a philanthropist, and a student of life. She also is a practicing witch. And she also identifies as a vampire, among other things. Uh, she does just does a ton of things. She's involved with a bunch of other projects. Um, I don't know the order in which I'm going to drop shows, but uh, it's a small world. Uh, I did an interview with uh, Balthazar uh, from New Orleans, uh, who's a vampire, and and he knew her, and she knows him. Uh, so um, I don't know who you'll hear from first, whether it'll be Madame X or Balthazar, Papa Zar. Uh, but they'll both both shows will be playing this October. Um, and uh, like Papazar, there's a lot of philanthropy involved and a lot of uh, mentoring, but I don't want to steal any of the thunder. Madam X, I, I would like you to, to do your proper introduction of yourself um, mm-hmm. before we move on. Um, well, hello, everyone.
3: Um, um, I am Madame X of The Dreaming on all my social networks. Um, Metamax has been my pen name since the 90s. Um, it started out with poetry and then it became part of me in the Nightside side community. Um, I'm many things, I'm, I'm a writer, I'm a poet, I'm a muse, I'm an event producer, I'm a priestess, I'm a performance artist. Um, I'm a teacher, and I'm an eternal student. Um, the most important thing in my life, aside from my day-side family, would be my night-side family. I am the founder and matriarch of House of the Dreaming. It was established in the year 2000, and it's my spiritual family, an international coven, if you will. Um, currently... I am the Primus and producer of The Court of the Iron Garden, which is a safe haven for New Jersey night kind. So vampires, witches, variants, other kind of cultists, goths, and the curious. Um, We serve the community with educational and pagan programming that's focused on the arts, social networking, performance art, um, with a focus on meeting teachers and meeting peers who are interested in the occult and pagan traditions, arts and crafts and all sorts of fun, wonderful things. But it is an adult program. So we also offer things that are a little edgier, like fetish knives little
2: bit of kink now and then so fun yeah well this is an adult show for for the most part and uh if any kids are listening to this it's all right i mean you know yeah (laughs) it's on their parents right um (laughs) so all right so last time i asked you a whole bunch of questions about wicca and wiccan and i you know thought all witches were wicca and they're not so uh, you are not a member of the Wiccan religion. Wicca is... So all Wicca are witches, but not all witches are Wicca. So I just wanted to... First of all, I, I'm, am I right about that? Yes. Okay. Correct. So I wanted to get There's
3: that... all different types of witches. Right. And while I will embrace the label of witch, I suppose I'm more of an occultist than a witch. Um, I'm... I would be best described as a chaos magic practitioner, which is a little bit, if you're not familiar with the term, it would be a little bit like an eclectic spiritualist that will draw concepts and practices and philosophies from a myriad of different cultures and paths. Um, and if they resonate um, with me inside, it really doesn't matter from what spiritual tradition it's coming from. And it's useful to me because it's meaningful. And as a chaos magic practitioner, I like to combine those things.
2: I'm definitely going to get back to the chaos magic practitioner and what chaos magic is versus Mm -hmm. any other kind of magic. But I, I want to start back with what, what attracted you to this or, or what, what was the, I don't know. How did you, you know, how did you come into, how did you even encounter this, this way of life, this way of thinking? How do you start this journey? Do you find a mentor? Uh, is it accidental? Is it a call in? Like how, what's your origin story?
3: That's a very good question. And it may be a very long answer. <laughs> <laughs> we have time. Um, You know, sometimes we are drawn to a certain path, um, not just because of one reason, but it seems like everything is pushing us in that direction. Um, I had wonderful godparents, um, my godfather and my godmother, um, who have passed decades ago, um, were very influential um, on my development as a child and that it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to read books about the topics that may be a little bit um, more controversial or um, for older individuals. So they had a huge library and I was very much drawn to the books that they had. Now, I have to let you know that I was born in Europe in a small country in Western Europe called Portugal. And during the time, um, uh, it was a fascist regime. And why is that important? It's important because during the fascist regime, there were many books that were banned. There were many practices that were outlawed. And if you are engaging in even a gathering of more than six individuals, you had to have a government agent present. Imagine.
2: Wow. Yeah.
3: Um, my godfather uh, was a particularly charming man. He spoke several lang- languages. And um, their house was right in front of the police station. And I always wondered, well, don't you worry? I mean, he yeah. had vast collection of international books that were certainly banned in our country. I said, well, don't you worry. He's like, no, not at all. I invite them to come visit all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And because I'm so open and so inviting, I'm safe.
2: Right. He reversed reversed psychology then.
3: A little bit, yes. Uh, He was quite smooth quite the charmer and um he was uh, a student i would say uh, or i could say that um antonio psoa um, portuguese writer uh, was his mentor uh, when he was a young man and antonio psoa was a good friend of crowley and um, Alistair Crowley no. actually came to Portugal to visit with António So. So, I have uh, stories from my godfather that depict uh, his relationship and I grew up listening to those. Whether they're 100% true or a little bit of dramatization, I'm not quite sure. But nonetheless, my godfather and his charming ways was certainly a huge influence on me. Um, Both to see who I wanted to be, and to see who I did not. Uh, Unfortunately, my godfather was an alcoholic, probably because he was a sensitive and had uh, problems dealing with his sensitivities to um, spirit, right? And spirits and other entities that would um, accost him. And in order to ground himself, he turned to drinking. And I'm sure he's not the only sensitive that have, that does the same. Uh, and he showed me who I did not want to be. <laughs> gotcha. I certainly never want to turn to substances to ground me. So meditation is the way to go. Um, but my godparents, I think, were very formative for me to develop an interest in things that lie beyond the physical. When I was seven years old, my classmates stoned me for being a witch. Wow. So now at the age of seven, yeah, I must confess that I had no idea what a witch was. Well, was didn't... a witch just an ugly person? Well, well um, seven, you
2: can't be too old and ugly, right?
3: Well... You know, I had no idea what a witch really was. Um, There were no books on witchcraft in Portugal. All of those books were banned. Um, And it wasn't until 1975 that I actually started looking into um, books about witchcraft, the occult, the paranormal, demonic possessions. All of those books started coming into the country after the fall of the fascist regime. So certainly at that young age, I had no idea what a witch was, but I figured, well, maybe a witch reads palms. So I asked my godmother about that. And she's like, yes, and I can teach you how to do that. I'm like, oh, you read (laughs) palms, that's wonderful. And she's like, and we can also read the cards. I was like, oh, that's amazing. So at a very young age, my godmother, um, showed me how to read palms, and uh, she called it a science, um, an applied science, if you will. You just need to know um, how the lines are turned, and how deep they are, and where they go, and what they touch. So more of a science than intuition but I think that the way she approached it was very good because I considered myself, you know, a scientist in the making at that time. I wanted to be a scientist and I wanted to be an astronaut and I loved all sorts of scientific things at the time. And uh, I think the way that she presented it as a science, that palmistry was a science, really, really appealed to me. She just knew how to communicate. And uh, my godfather at that time, he also said that sometimes, and I'll never forget this, that while I may be drawn to science and to facts, sometimes you will, you will be exposed to the better truth if you read fantasy and fiction, because it is easier to express the truth under the god a fantasy and fiction. And I was like, eh. <laughs> but it certainly opened the door for me.
2: What were the books that influenced you as a as a youth or a young adult?
3: Um, you know I can probably go to the to the bookshelf and pick out some of those. Um, most of the books that I was reading at that time were, of course in Portugal. There were either by Brazilian or French authors that had been translated most likely into Brazilian and that were coming into the country. Uh, and that was in 75. So I wasn't exactly uh, a little kid at the time. Um, but um, that, those were the very first books that came in. Um, Demonic Possessions, um, The Invisible Realms, um, the books of books on exorcisms, uh, books on um, um, psychic abilities. Um, And then I also fell into, uh, of course, UFOs, unexplained phenomena. Um, I read Project Blue Book probably in 75, 76. And I was like, wow, this is great. (laughs) And that fine line between the paranormal, the unexplained, the UFO mystery to me. Oh, yeah. That's all fantastic.
2: A lot of overlap there. So whatever there.
3: I could get my hands on. <laughs> as far as um, fictional, uh, science fiction authors, um, Ray Bradbury um, was fantastic. Robert Heinlein, um, one of my favorite authors. Isaac Asimov. The classics. Um, Philip K. Dick, so wonderful, wonderful reads that really expanded the mind.
2: What about Lovecraft?
3: I was not exposed to Lovecraft until I came to the United States. Um, and I think I had been here already for a good, um, decade, uh, when I was exposed to H.P. Lovecraft. Um, and when I did, it was love at first sight in fact i did um several uh trips to rhode island to his grave site and i uh, composed poetry in his homage and i read his poetry at his grave site and uh, absolutely wow
2: yeah i'm pretty embarrassed that i lovecraft somehow escaped me until i was an adult Uh, i don't know how that happened but no one's interested in hearing about my story today (laughs) So I'd like to get some, just some nomenclature out, out of the way. So you said that you prefer to be identified as an occultist. You don't mind the term which. but what are, what are the terms, definitions, uh, you know, uh, labels that we would put under occultists and just, you know, briefly what, you know, what are they? What would a lay person, you know, understand them to be? <clears throat>
3: Well, most people would say, well, you're an occultist. Does that mean you're a Satanist? Right?
2: (laughs) Probably, yeah. I think most people would probably jump to that conclusion, yeah.
3: Right, then that's not necessarily
2: the case. Right.
3: Um, um, An occultist may study uh, different arcane philosophies, uh, from the Keys of Solomon to chaos magic to ceremonial magic and the state principles to um, to wake up, right? Um, and I and I I like the term occultist because I really consider my student myself to be a student of the craft, and I believe the craft to be very broad, and it begins with shamanism, the essential roots of magic. And it flows from there. Um, and if I had more time, <laughs> I would certainly read more and practice. Because, you know, it's not just about reading philosophy. It's about applying it and utilizing it.
2: Yeah. Yes, and you keep yourself very busy. And we're going to get to all, that, all of the things that you do in- shortly i I think shortly anyway um but it's interesting you said shamanism and you know so much can be you know fall under the umbrella of shamanism but it it seems to be sort of like the first religion maybe even i'm not sure if it came before or after or simultaneous with ancestor uh worship or veneration but uh you know everyone everyone in this journey at some point, thinks that they're on the path to finding a universal truth, right? Is that That's what all the philosophers are essentially doing and, and the religions. And I, I stumbled upon this theory where I thought that somewhere, wherever the first people who started whatever became the Indo-European family of languages, that's where it was. And then someone said, well, I think you're on to the right path, but I think you're not really looking for the language. I think you're looking for the first shaman. And I'm like, I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. And yeah, there's no way I can do that for where I'm sitting. So, um, what, what form of shamanism or where did you find shamanism or who taught you shamanism? Like, what was your introduction to it? Um, I
3: think my introduction to it was, of course, through books. Um. And I don't really remember, like, the first book that I read about shamanism. I really can't say. Um, However, um, I did study with several shamans. Uh, One of them was uh, a Buddhist shaman. And he was also um, an astrologer, an artist, a poet, and a Tai Chi master. Um, So that is... Eastern Shamanism, um, Taoism, if you will. Um, I also studied briefly, uh, and by briefly, I mean just for a few years uh, with a Native American Shaman and um, he had some Native American lineage, but he was more of an urban shaman, if you will, that carried on the knowledge and traditions of those that he had studied with. Um, and I guess those two would have been my my two shamanic teachers, uh, I guess. Um, but, you know, at that time, me, I was already an adult with both. So I already had my own interpretations of uh, shamanism. I really felt that it was. it is the root of all magic, it is the root of all spirituality, and much of it has to do with respect and observation of not just ancestors, uh, but of all those that have come before, and our environment, and learning to read the signs that are placed before us, the omens
2: that are placed before. Okay, that seems like a very big topic. I wanted to, I I, I want to clear up one thing with the audience. I on the last interview I asked about the word warlock because my understanding of it was that it was a male. Which I was informed that that is not correct at all. It's actually a slur. It's it's a it's it's like an insult in the in the occult community. So um, if you could embellish a little bit on that, uh, and and it,
3: sure, yeah. And, you know, the the word warlock was used to signify traitor. However, uh, warlock, you're locked in war, so you are betraying someone, warlock. However, in today's um, society, people often refer to themselves as warlock. And, you know, I mean, it's okay. We know what a warlock is because we've seen the movies, we've read the books about these male witches that are the warlock, right? Yep. Um, I think that when we talk about this, um, we went back to how uh, witchcraft was a religion of women, and women were shunned for engaging in this terrible witchcraft, and they were witches, and so how dare a man be involved in this, Women, uh, evil doing by women. <laughs> and so there arrived the term warlock.
2: Okay. Now, witchcraft. I,
3: I have no problem with If someone wants to identify themselves as a, a warlock, I mean, I have certainly no problem I, I know what they mean.
2: Okay. Um, and witchcraft is not by any means limited to women. That, that's a misconception, right?
3: That is correct. Okay. Uh, the terms for guys are generally witch, which is gender neutral, mm-hmm. um, or uh, a mage, right? Or magus, even, yep. you know, depending on fancy you want to be.
2: Right, or magi. Um, is there any difference with a sorcerer or a wizard, or are these just synonyms?
3: Well, I mean, if you play Dungeons and Dragons, I think it depends on the level of aptitude. You're either a sorcerer, enchanter, witch, uh, etc. And, and, you know, if you are part of a particular coven that offers degrees and with the degrees offers certain titles, then perhaps, yes, perhaps there will be a a difference between a magus and a witch or an adept. So it really does depend on which organization you belong to.
2: Is there any number uh, of different types of organizations or is it just countless?
3: I think it's countless.
2: Okay, Uh, that's that's the impression I remember. And just to be clear, what's a coven?
3: So a coven is generally um, a group of witches that gather periodically and that they engage in witchcraft spell work or other types of magic and socialization okay.
2: and I know that you are not a member of the Wiccan religion but basically what what is Wicca in you know layman's terms uh,
3: so Wicca is a spirit form of spirituality that was developed uh, in the 50s and finally came to uh, be recognized as a religion um, I guess in the in the 70s um, in some parts of the world Wicca is still not accepted as a valid religion and certainly not as a valid form of spirituality um, uh, but it's more recently has been accepted in the United States and in the UK and perhaps in Australia uh, as well, Canada perhaps. Uh, But there's still many parts of the world that don't accept uh, Wicca.
2: Well, sure. I mean, there's parts of the world that don't accept lots of things. Um, Of course. uh, But I'm sure so. I'm sure Wicca or, or anything. And I
3: think it's important to know that it's a relatively new spiritual belief It is inspired in ancient traditions of the Celts uh, and the Druids and shamanic traditions, as well as perhaps even uh, Crowlian beliefs or uh, Rosicrucian Freemasonry beliefs, right? Things that predated um, the fifties. And it came together, manifested itself as
2: Wicca. Mm Um, you mentioned Crowley a couple times that's Aleister Crowley just briefly uh, Mm -hmm. who is Aleister Crowley?
3: Um, Aleister Crowley is um, well I consider him to be a philosopher and uh, magical practitioner Um, and uh, he was inspired by the OTO or the Ordo Templari Orientalis Mm -hmm. Um, I guess, from the uh, Templar Knights, um, as well as from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. And so he combined those concepts with quite a few of his own, and um, he created his own brand of magic, magic with a
2: K. Oh, very interesting. I, we have a, I have a show on hermeticism. So for those of you who want to learn more about it, go check out that show um, with Luke, Michael Ironside. It's uh, he's brilliant and he does a great job of, uh, of going to, into detail with that. And he mentions, of course, the, the order of the golden dawn um, and sort of how it got a bad rap over time. Um, there is a, f- a fairly famous figure, which I'm pretty sure predates Crowley by decades, if not a century or so, named Madame Blavatsky. Uh, I, I fear I know very little about her except that she was famous and she was sort of welcome from court to court. Um, is, is Does she play a role in this at all?
3: Of course. Uh, she inspired many. Madame uh, Blavatsky uh, was... Um, hitler's right hand
2: Ooh, well <laughs> we have to <laughs> yeah. so
3: if you want me to continue i will but you might not <laughs> uh
2: this is garden of doom so we,
1: we can we, you know
2: we, we can't we we can't fear these things and and by the way i have a show also on nazis and the occult that's coming but i don't know that we get too much into the into this side of it too much so they actually might uh work hand in hand so yeah go for it go go dark
3: okay so um madame blavatsky she was uh, a russian mystic um and she is uh, one of the founders of the theosophical society and that was in the mid to late 1800s i guess um fun fact um Thomas Alva Edison was a member oh. of the Theosophical Society. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it certainly attracted um, um, a great deal of, um, of names, of who's who. And um, she, my belief, she was a philosopher as well as a psychic and a medium. And um, she really inspired many different uh, modern beliefs, um, ancient wisdom. I mean, she combined uh, science, religion, uh, philosophy, and even psychology, you know, the early psychology of that time, into explaining why the world was the way it was and how we can pull those strings. Um, A lot of it came from mysticism from my personal opinion Um, and I I think different people look at her work and they see different things And uh, you know she had a secret doctrine if you resonated with her secret doctrine you would have a higher understanding of the world there's a lot about her work that I don't resonate with but I have to say that there's a lot of what she says that absolutely Makes sense to
2: me. Is her secret doctrine still a secret, or can we?
3: Yes, it is published.
2: <laughs> okay. So, what, what was what what was her secret doctrine? If you know, if we can do it in a paragraph-ish.
3: Well, I'll tell you. Uh, one of the um, one of the beliefs was uh, the belief in different races, and not the races as we know them. Uh, you know, Negro, Caucasian, you know, none none of that. But they were different races. So that uh, uh, we are members of a certain race because we exist at this time, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it involved a little bit of uh, religion and politics uh, as well. And the creation of these races and supreme races and,
2: uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's where she loses you, Uh which is probably not a bad place to get lost. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, anyone can infer where maybe this got uh, into Hitler's orbit. There's some discrepancy as to how interested Hitler was in the occult versus some of his lieutenants and whether he was, you know, uh, oh, he
3: was uh, extremely, he had to be, or, or the, the people of his team had to be, because they were great collectors of occult
2: goods. That's what I thought, and I, I thought that they were all in on it, whether or not he was just like, huh, what, what's the harm, or whether he was all in on it himself. Oh, I, I don't know. I'm
3: sure he wanted them. Heck, <laughs> I want them. You know, um, there is a certain energy. With these ancient artifacts, whether they are uh, clearly powerful or whether we perceive them as powerful. As you approach um, an ancient artifact, you can feel as a sensitive, right? You can feel its energy. Even if you cannot feel the energy, just rubbing elbows uh, with the right people, rubbing elbows with the right item can empower you. So, yeah, perhaps it was like, well, there's nothing wrong with getting uh, the spear of Longinus (laughs) in our collection. And there's nothing wrong with getting these uh, amazing works of art in our collection or in getting the, uh, the cauldron, that Celtic cauldron, that amazing cauldron that he had. So, Yes, perhaps he said maybe there's nothing wrong with it, but I think he delighted in the fact that he had those in his pocket.
2: I think you're probably right. Um, You mentioned a a few different kinds of magic, or at least that's what it sounded like to me. Uh, Ceremonial magic, keys of Solomon, and chaos magic. You already addressed chaos magic, but what are are the other two, uh, and how do they compare and contrast to each other and to chaos magic?
3: And these other two were?
2: Uh, Ceremonial magic and keys of Solomon.
3: Uh, Oh, okay. Well, um, a chaos magic practitioner can use um, these different paths as tools um, for the expression of their work. Um, A chaos magic practitioner can use Tantra, can use Taoism, can use Gnosticism, Sufism, anything really. Um, including uh, Christianity, including um, Jewish traditions. So all of these are tools that a chaos magic practitioner can employ.
2: Yeah, I I had a guest on this show. I'm not sure which one at this point, but um, they, they told me straight. They said, listen, magic is magic. It, you know, whether it's Egyptian magic or Chinese magic or Druidical magic or shamanism, magic is magic. It's just how you how you get to it and how you use it.
3: Right. And that is correct. Um, and magic need not be so complicated. Right? As we evolve, uh, we try to make things very ornate and very wordy and very complicated. And, uh, many different philosophies. Um, to explain it, for example, the Kabbalah, mm-hmm. right? Um, Jewish mysticism. How many different takes there are on the Kabbalah? How many books have been written on the Kabbalah? In fact, the Kabbalah itself, if you think about it too long, you're likely to go
2: insane.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but this is with anything. You can certainly overthink the heck out of anything. Uh, you can use Lovecraftian mythos uh, in um, chaos magic work if it resonates with you, and you can channel it. Then you can use it. So um, all of these different practices—they're all different in many ways—and uh, even in its uh, in its um, single form, meaning in its uh, original form, there's different people that have different perspectives in what it means and how they ought to be
2: used. What's a grimoire? And nobody
3: likes chaos magic practitioners. Oh, well,
2: yeah, we, we learned that from the Scarlet Witch in, in the MCU, which I'm sure is entirely accurate. Um, what, what is a grimoire?
3: A grimoire um, is a collection of spells ceremonies rituals maybe even dreams or dream work um could be um path working so now that there are grimoires that are published books and then you can have your own personal grimoire, your own uh, collection of notebooks or your own file on your laptop
2: so to call it a spell book is a, is a very disingenuous. It's it's giving it short shrift.
3: Well, if that's all it is, um, mm, you need more than that.
2: Well, okay. You know, a, you a spell need, need book. Like a, a, spe- a
3: diary. You need a diary of every day. Right. What your everyday magic is. Why is today magical? Why was today magical? And you include that in your book. And yes, include your rituals, include your spells, um, include uh, perhaps uh, 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 someone else's working that you did that worked out very well for you. Um, make a note of all these things. But ultimately, it should be more than just a spell book or a book of poetry, right? It could be a book of incantations, and you can call it a grimoire. Sure, you can. But it can be so much more, and it, you should never limit yourself to just one exploration.
2: There is that book that has the really long, scary name, and it's supposed to be really, really bad. And I'm sure you know exactly what I'm trying to say, but I, I, it, it, it escapes me. Are you
3: talking about the Necronomicon? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> so now, are you talking about Lovecraft Necronomicon? No. Or are you talking about the Egyptian Necronomicon.
2: I'm thinking the Egyptian one is the real one as opposed to Lovecraft one, but uh, I guess I don't really know. You tell me, which one am I talking about?
3: (laughs) I don't know which one you're referring to, Um, but certainly um, the Egyptian uh, Necronomicon, or the Book of the Dead, um, refers to the practices that were included in mummification and in preparing the dead cross over um, to the next world and for the Egyptians it was a complex detailed process of not only preparing the physical body but also uh, preparing to everything else that went to Excellent. crossing over. and the more um, valued a citizen you were in Egyptian society, then uh the more you needed to ensure that you got to the other side.
2: So All right. now, we're, to mm-hmm. now we're gonna get into some of the titles that you have but, but before I start rattling things off, you mentioned the word primus before and what yes. what what does that mean?
3: Uh primus means the first. I guess it's from the Latin. Um, And um, we use it in the vampire community. We use the term primus to refer to the first citizen um, or the first member. Um, Generally, the primus is the creator of um, the organization or of the court. Gotcha. So um, generally, that term primus is reserved courts
2: which are different from covens okay well what's the difference
3: so a court is um a gathering of individuals from different covens different houses different clans and of course solitary independence as well um but a court provides um a town green if you will um for peaceful meeting of everyone. And it's also a good place to go if you are looking for mentors or if you're looking for a coven or house that you'd like to belong to, that you'd like to get your education from. Um, A court is uh, a good place also to come up if you have um, problems or complaints or um, any kind of um, situation that you may need help with right sometimes we have stalkers or whatnot and it's like what do i do and by yourself it's kind of difficult to take care of things so if you can go somewhere that you can approach others in person for help and support and advice um, it's fantastic so that's generally what a court
2: does okay and I guess a coven is just, is just limited to that group of like-minded witches.
0: By now, you've probably seen ads about water contamination at Camp Lejeune everywhere on TV, social media, and probably even following you around on the internet. The water at Marine corps Base Camp Lejeune was contaminated with toxic chemicals for more than three decades. It is not rare for people who drank this water for an extended period of time to develop severe illness, including kidney cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, leukemia, liver cancer, bladder cancer, birth defects, Parkinson's, and more. A new law called the PACT Act allows victims of poisoned water to seek repayment for their medical costs. What those other ads don't tell you is that because the PACT Act is a fresh law, it is important to find an attorney who understands the new claims forms. There is limited time to file your Camp Lejeune claim, so you need a lawyer who can get it right the first time. The experienced team of attorneys at SickMarine.com is ready to file your claim. They will fight for you and won't take no for an answer. To file your claim and to have your case prioritized, sign up at SickMarine.com.
1: Do you dream of owning a home, but feel like it's just out of reach? If only you had perfect credit or a big down payment. At First National Bank, we believe homeownership is for everyone. That's why we offer affordable options for all budgets with one-on-one support from a home loan expert who's in your neighborhood and in your corner. Get started at fmb-online.com slash ownit or your local FMB. FMB member FDIC equal housing lender NMLS number 766529.
3: Correct. So a coven will definitely be... a
1: and I'm going to say a
3: small group of individuals, you know, initially a coven was supposed to be 13. Certainly nowadays it is no longer 13. Coven can be as long as their priests deem it to be. Um, but a court is generally a larger group of individuals and, um, you pretty much are open to
2: all. Why was it 13?
3: You know, 13 is a very uh, special number. I know. (laughs) I've actually written articles on the power of the number 13. Uh, But yeah, 13 is a very special number, you know. Jesus had 13 disciples, you know.
2: Right. Um, or, or if people want to you know kick Mary out which is uh, probably not right you could say that there's Jesus and twelve apostles and then I, I know uh, you know there's really actually 13 uh, signs in the solar zodiac uh-huh uh,
3: 13 not 12
2: but, but um, poor one got mm-hmm. kicked out also and uh, mm-hmm. but most of the zodiacs even the ancient uh, the temples have a sun in the middle and then the 12 signs. So 13 and I'm told the King Arthur, the round table had 12 knights around King Arthur and 13. So what, what's the, what makes 13? I mean, at some point, I mean, these things came later, something earlier decided that 13 was special. Do you, do you know what that something is?
3: Well, it has something to do with numerology, no doubt. Um, but the number 13 is um, is always very special. But then you can also say, well, so is the number one as well as the number two. Of course, the number three is particularly special. And well, the number four is special as well. So, I mean, you can say the same thing that you say about the number 13, you can say about any other number, right? If you look at the numerology part of it. So you can give it great value or you can also discount it. So let me just put that out there. Um, but generally the number 13 has, uh, is a number of power um, and it implies community, it implies working. And uh, when you kind of, even if you have a large group of individuals, when you kind of see who is working, who is doing stuff, it'll boil down to 13. It's just the karmic power.
2: That is intrinsic to the number thirteen. Okay, poor thirteen. Well, not poor thirteen, but uh, I, I always feel about that um, that that zodiac sign, and it, and it's my zodiac sign, by the way. That it got greater status uh, because I think it's what o- o- Ophiacus or Ophiacus, right? Yeah. So it's it's mine, Scorpio. That it, that it gets like a full month when it's only there for like a week or something like that. Um, So yay me, I guess. Um, (laughs) All right. So you do a ton of things. Um, I don't even really know where to stop. I'm going to start with probably the one that's the most, you know, fun and and, and the headline grabber. And that is that you're in a movie. You're working on a movie.
3: I am. Oh, my goodness. It's so much fun. In fact, uh, we're going to be having our wrap party um, this weekend that I'm very excited about. Uh, a rap party is kind of like uh, we're wrapping up the movie. It's come close to completion. We're right. done filming, and we're in the final stages of the editing process, and it's going to be out of
2: So it's not so, like Crush Groove. It's not going to be like you freestyling, and it's going to be like the vampires versus the witches in a rap battle.
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you never know. You never know what will happen. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're getting um, uh, the folks that were starring in the movie, as well as um, you know the producers. Hopefully, the director will join us as well. And uh, I've been working uh, on the movie as the co-producer and co-director, and it's been so much fun. Great. And What's it called? It, it's called Blood and Lust. It is. Uh, a vampire movie, I don't think it's necessarily a horror movie per se. I would say it's more of a psychological thriller. Um, and, um, uh, oh, I have to tell you that, uh, to this point, the most moving experience I've had uh, in the film was, um, that I helped write this one section of a particular scene. And um I really put my heart into it and I thought it was particularly sincere from a vampire's perspective and um and that kind of just like you know went with that right but then when I saw it performed by the actress I I I was brought to tears I was oh great so because I've had my poetry read by other people, and it's so flattering and wonderful to see someone else read my poetry, but this was different. This was an expression of self that I had put into paper, and the actress, she did such a fantastic job.
2: Awesome. so... Do you know when it's uh, supposed to be released?
3: Oh, I cannot say, I cannot say, I cannot say.
2: Well you, want, well, you want people to see it, right? <laughs>
3: I certainly do. I certainly do. And we do have a Facebook page, um, Blood and Lust. And uh, we do have uh, GoFundMe because we do need funding, we need help to get it off the ground and actually put it out there. So much money has already been invested. Um, so, Yeah. Definitely come and check out uh, Blood and Lust. Uh, It's going to be a great movie. And uh, keep in touch with me or with uh, the actual page on Facebook. And uh, maybe soon we'll also have a website for it. And we hope to enter it in uh, film festivals and, you know, different things. But, uh, yeah, definitely, I would say the very beginning of next year,
2: all right, that is great. So folks, you can give money to that on the GoFundMe and you can consider yourself a producer of sorts uh, or associate producer of a movie. You can be in show <laughs> business. So that's very cool. Listen, the audience is going to say, Jeff, she's made reference to Vampire several times and you haven't asked her about a vampire. So I have to ask you, uh, when you self-identify as a vampire, what does that mean to you? Um, to
3: me, and well, that's a very good question because I think Individuals will have different perspectives of what a vampire is, right? And I think um, most individuals are influenced by what they see on television, what they see in the movies, and what they read in books, right? Oh, of course, and although yeah. that's wonderful and it's a really creative, uh, transformative entertainment, <laughs> it is entertainment. So Um, When I say I am a vampire, I mean that I understand, utilize, um, and draw energy, life energy from others. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, most people understand that everyone is an energetic being as well as a physical being. Um, Some people can draw energy Um, and that may or may not be a good thing right because some people can be just um, negative and draw energy in a negative way and leave people around them depleted and exhausted and tired so that's not exactly what i'm talking about right um but i do draw and utilize interpersonal energy for my uh, well-being, for the work that I do, and for my personal growth and development.
2: Is it synergistic, or does it drain the other person, or is it just unilateral to give you more uh, strength or spirit?
3: Um, It is not always the same. Um, There could be different types of exchange. But generally I consider it an exchange. And I do have specific donors Mm -hmm. who are willing and desiring to work with me, um, so that I can obtain that energy. And it wasn't a lot of fun during uh, COVID times where you couldn't be um, with people. And although you can do energy work uh, online, it's not my
2: preferred form of exchange. Right now, I'm having the scintilla of an idea for a plot of a movie where the energy is going through like zoom or something, but some of it gets sapped by, by a ghost in the machine and, and you know ter- terrible mm-hmm. things happen from there. Um, but mm-hmm. since I'm never gonna make a movie, you, you can use it for your, you know, for your' next movie if you like. I have more faith <laughs> I have more faith in your, your show business future than mine. Um, all right. You, are, you have also worked at Dark Side of the Con, which is a convention. So tell us about that, because you're sort of famous.
3: Oh, thank you. Um, Dark Side of the Con was a, a four-year running convention here in New Jersey. And um, it featured fantastic goth uh, bands. And it was very much a culture um, convention so that anyone who is into the dark side um be it music or physical aesthetic or magical work or maybe even cemeteries the occult um fashion etc um bats right um fetish kink uh, all of those things that are considered dark hmm? um was part of Dark Side of the Con. I don't believe Dark Side of the Con is happening anymore. There is something else called Dark Force Mm -hmm. that has come to replace Dark Side of the Con. Okay. And it's going to happen in April. And what I did at Dark Side of the Con was I uh, did some event planning for culture presentations. So that was my focus. Um, And I only worked for them One year, I had been a guest presenter since the beginning, and um, it was terrific. So last year, I said, how can I help? And they said, oh, would you like to help us put things together? And I said, absolutely. So it was tough because it's such a huge convention, Um, thousands of attendees from not just all over the country, but all over the world. Um, So really, really fantastic. So the new name for the event is Dark Force. And um, you can just look it up. Um, They have a webpage, and they're also on Facebook, and I'm sure
2: Instagram. Um, Oh, I'm sure. Uh, It says also that you are a prince at Skylands Gateway Halo. What is that?
3: It is tradition for every region to select a figurehead in the vampire community so that if an individual is coming to a particular area or a particular state or a particular city, they can reach out to the prince of the city. Uh, I didn't care for queens. That's not me. <laughs> so I embraced the term prince, um, and um, I guess uh, folks took a vote and they voted me in as the prince of um, Skylands Gateway Halo, which is really the northern uh, area of New Jersey. So I'm the go to person. So if you have questions, Different covens, different houses, even anything at all, different events, or come to me, and I will do my best to assist, to lead, to guide you to where you need to be.
2: Excellent, and and folks, I want you know that this is like this is really organized. She has uh, 501c uh, um, status, tax exempt for at least parts of. Uh, her, organization or organizations that she's involved with Um, and you know so it's this is... And
3: it's not easy to get there Um, the Iron Garden we've been uh, functioning as a cohesive unit since um, 2015 2015 was our first public event Um, and it's been very difficult for us to raise that money because we don't really, uh, we need money in order to become uh, a 501 Right. Right? That may not be aware. Uh, and not only do you need the money, but you also need a uh, P.O. box, uh, you need a bank account, uh, uh, and you need to establish certain things that it takes money to get. Yeah.
2: And, so, and there's governance. You have to have bylaws. You have to have a board. You have to have meetings. Well, that's
3: the easy part. That, it's the money that's the hard part. And the right. reason why the money is the hard part is because I'm not a very... Um, any focused person, and I almost think that money and spirit just don't mix, right? Um, so if you are coming to the Iron Garden for um spiritual development and to socialize and network with other spiritual individuals who are interested in the paranormal, the occult, and in vampires, how can you realistically charge them? we want to be a church, right? So if we are church, how can we charge the money? So we really don't. We do have an admission for our events, but that admission uh, goes directly to the venue, right? Because the venue has bills and they need to pay those bills. Um, we are a volunteer-run, donation-based organization. So it takes us a while. And we also like to help those around us. Um, So at one point we were afraid we were going to lose our home, our venue, QXTs. It was closed for almost two years because of the pandemic, yet bills still needed to be paid. And so we felt that we were compelled as an organization to put our pennies together and, and help them as well to ensure our continuation
2: <laughs> now if anybody wants to help out the organization or donate to it is this the iron garden or is this the house of the dreaming
3: this would right. be the iron
2: garden Okay. that's the work of
3: the iron okay. house of the dreaming is my international company Okay. there are websites for both so if you want to look and see what these are you certainly can but the iron garden is the haven for night that is what we're working on or trying to get to be uh, church status and we're close we're close
2: (laughs) okay well good luck um thank you what is the dark nations
3: um dark nations was a house of the dreaming project it was started by khan one of our house brethren and um it was an organization Designed online organization designed to bring together um, different houses and um, and inspire each other. What happens when you have different covens by any other name, a different house, right? Mm-hmm. Houses and covens are very similar. We use the term house um, to um, to um, illuminate that we are not strictly witches or that were mostly vampires houses like a family mm-hmm. so um, sometimes you isolate yourselves your house you do your house business you um, talk to each other and there is no movement beyond what the house does when the houses start coming together now we can start talking about cooperation and collaborative projects and perhaps we can inspire each other by sharing what we're doing oh how so-and-so is doing poetry readings oh how so-and-so at the on the other end of the country they're doing open mic nights cool maybe we can have someone from your house come to our open mic nights, right so it's fun um, to inspire each other. And there is no stronger magic than inspiration and motivation to move forward and to grow. So, Dark Nations was created um, to bring houses together and to lead by example and to motivate each other to do great things for our community.
2: All right, your last formal title, uh, on your bio is chapter head at New Jersey chapter of Bloodlines International, and so what? What is that?
3: Bloodlines International was a, a group that was created um, by Oldie and Heaven. Um, they I think they started with a Florida chapter, and it was basically, and this was, I guess, in the in the nineties, right? And, um, it was an online support group, um, uh, for, for vampires. Um, and, uh, they had, uh, regional meetings. They used to do, um, little outings. Let's go to a diner or let's go to a golf club. Right. So it was kind of a fun support group and it grew, um, In the year 2000, there were a variety of chapters, I believe one for each state. And um, when I lived in Savannah, Georgia, I became involved with the Georgia Bloodlines um, group. I became the chapter head. We did all sorts of fun things. And and, uh, right now I'm in New Jersey, so I am the chapter head for the Bloodlines Jersey. Uh, But we sort of kind of uh, merge into everything that's going on and then Skylands Gateway, Halo, right? And we merge into what's going on with the Iron Garden and uh, we welcome different individuals to come to our Facebook group and um, tell us what you're into, what things you would like to do. Because, you know, sometimes you work on Fridays, so you cannot attend the Aryan Garden, Um, uh, but you would like to do things. Um, And it's an open forum where people can express their interests, they can tell us what they're doing, um, and we can certainly meet each other. We have uh, similar interests, similar passions, and that's what all of these groups are for, connection.
2: When you described Hassel Dreaming as your international coven, um, I mean, obviously, I know what the words mean. Uh, you have members from how many countries?
3: Um, that's a good question. Well, we certainly have members in the United States. We also have members in the UK, in Germany, um, in Portugal.
1: Um Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. <laughs>
3: Yeah,
2: and and the U.S. Okay, very good. Uh, and you have a lot of titles. Which is your preferred? If somebody is talking to you, I mean, do you prefer they call you Madame X? Do you prefer Primus, Prince, Matriarch? I know you said you don't <laughs> like Queen. Uh, no,
3: no, no, no. Um, Madame X is fine. I don't expect anyone to come and kiss my ring, nor will I push my ring in their face. Um, <laughs> You know, in in some halos, unfortunately, uh, the elders of certain groups expect their ring to be kissed, and they will go as far as to shove the ring into someone's face so that they can kiss it. Okay. Um, I've been in this uh, community since the very dawn of the vampire community, um, and I think that's despicable.
0: Yeah,
2: that, that sounds respect. very... Mo-
3: respect is earned, and if you are forcing someone to give you any kind of respect, you certainly are not going to do it by shoving your hand into their face.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. So it seems very, you know, king on a TV show kind of thing to do. Okay. Um, all right. So, you do a ton of things, and... Obviously, we've already heard about your poetry. You're working on a film. Obviously, you're an organizer. You're, uh, you know, and and constantly doing, you know, all all sorts of um, reach outs, outreaches within and outside of the community. Uh, But you include in your list performance artist, priestess, actress, teacher, poet, writer. Uh, uh, You indicated that you're also a philosopher and that you have wards you you can touch on whatever of those things that, that you want to in whatever order you would like to. I think you said muse also. Um, you know, so I, I don't want to... Well, I, yeah.
3: I, I consider myself a muse because I think there's no more wonderful feeling than to inspire others. And I hope that all my work in the community, with all the different things that I do, serve as a source of inspiration. So if I am inspiring you to create, whether it's poetry or art, or build an organization, or to write an article, or or to paint, or to take a uh, photography, and if you feel grateful, well, that's 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 wonderful, and I'm so happy that I've been able to create uh, organizations like the I that brings so many people together, and. Give you a place where you can express yourself, where you can exhibit your art, where you can do your where you can do
2: your. Own. What kind of philanthropy are you? Uh, is your are your organizations involved with that? You you know you haven't mentioned some you know already. Um,
3: uh-huh. uh, well, from time to time um, they change, so we don't um, stick to the same. Organization all the time. So uh, right now, the Iron Garden is um, is uh, helping the New Jersey. Let see if I remember the name. is the Foundation, uh, Conserve Wildlife Foundation of New Jersey. That's our current charity, and they have uh, rescued. Nurtured, um, a variety of different native animals to the New Jersey area that are endangered or encroached upon, so much building. Yeah. Um, so they're doing really wonderful work with their educational programs and their outreach. So it's really a fantastic organization. So we are, um, that's our current charity, but over the years, we have uh, dedicated ourselves to bat sanctuaries, to uh, food and clothing rescues, um, to uh, um, a raptor center as well, to uh, orphan groups, um, orphanages, um, and we've donated books and literacy assistance. So over the years, we really have um, done quite a bit um, to reach out to different organizations and we like to bring awareness of, of these needs and of these charities um, to the community so that we're not entirely self-serving, but that we also reach out to others who need our help.
2: That was great, I, I, I especially, I mean, obviously, you know, I love the Bat Sanctuary idea, of course, because I'm a 15-year-old boy at heart. So, um, But, yeah, bats are really cool. Um, what misconceptions would you like to clear up that are out there that you encounter? Besides dummies asking you if you're all Wicca and, you know, and... and
3: <laughs> I would say the majority of the film are not Wiccans. Nor are they all satanists. I think that's probably like a huge misconception. Um, um, A vampirism in itself, it's almost like it's own broad form of spirituality. Where all paradigms are welcome. So that you can actually, if you are a Christian, you can still be a vampire. If you are a Wiccan, you can be a vampire. If you're a satanist, you can be. If you're a Luciferian, you can be a vampire. If you're agnostic, you can be a vampire. If you're atheist, you can be a vampire. So that's kind of like the first misconception. Um, do vampires kill people? No, that should not be the case at all. If, uh, if you're a vampire and you've killed someone, please turn yourself in um, and get some uh, recovery. <laughs> because you should not be going out killing people. Uh, Do we hurt people, maim them, bleed them dry, and do all of these things? No, that's not what a vampire does. Uh, If there are uh, fluid exchanges in vampirism, they're generally small tokens. No one should be getting injured or hurt. If anyone is getting injured and hurt, um, you know, you really have to um, stop that kind of behavior, get help um, to not be involved in that kind of behavior uh, on both sides, both as a donor and as a vampire. Um, This
2: should not be happening. Are there helplines within the and resources within the community for uh, people who get into the occultist community and don't know any better that maybe are taken advantage of? Sure,
3: there's countless groups now that online is the primary Before, it used to be the other way around, right? So if you spoke to me, I don't know, 10 years ago, I would say, well, primarily we meet in person, but we do have some uh, online outreach groups, right? Uh, Like bloodlines, right? Um, However, um, I think things have completely inversed at this point. The majority of uh, socialization between vampires is now online, and I think The reason for this is because of privacy. Um, You know, folks don't want to be identified as uh, going to a vampire event or something along those lines. And it's just so much easier to connect online with people from all over the country. So there are multiple, countless organizations um, that anyone who's interested in vampirism can reach out to, to get information whether they're all reliable,
2: Well, yours (laughs) are, so they they can probably reach out to your group and you'll steer them in the right direction someplace, somebody that's in their state or community.
3: Indeed, and see, that's the wonderful thing about being uh, in a York Nations, is that um, you have contacts with other houses and other organizations that are not necessarily in your area. So that if someone comes to me from Missouri or from Kansas, and they're uh, looking for a house in that area, I can probably direct them.
2: Very good. What should I have asked you that I didn't?
3: Well, you can ask me uh, if, where I'm going to be in a couple of weeks.
2: <laughs> where are you gonna be in a couple of weeks? I'm going to be in New Orleans. Um, I am going to be conducting... Uh, You're gonna be a Voodoo Fest. And-
3: well, no, not really a Buddha fest. Um, it is uh, it is Samhain, Halloween, and it is a special night for uh, vampire kin. And I am going to be um, coordinating um an M. Rice tribute. So M. Rice passed away, and, as you know, and many of us in the vampire community loved her work, are getting together and we are doing something special in her march. So, on October 30th, and that's going to be a Sunday night, um, I am going to be part of a vampire ball that's hosted by Coven of the Articulate. And after the ball, we are going to do a special outdoor ceremony. To celebrate and elevate the spirit, the creative spirit of Anne Rice. Excellent. So I'm very excited about that. If anyone wants to uh, check it out and attend, it's called the Dark Gift Alliance Ball. It's the, also by Resurrection, um, and it's hosted by Coven of the Articulate. Probably that's the best way to find it is just by com, and you'll have all the information.
2: And I know that you recently went back to your country of origin. You were recently in Portugal.
3: Yes. I spent three months overseas, um, and I was in Portugal, and I was in Spain, and I, I did a little bit of traveling, as I usually do. Um, but recently, recently, I was in Pittsburgh uh, just a few days ago. I was at another vampire ball. It is the season. October is the busy season for all of us. Makes sense. Uh, we celebrated the uh, full sanguine moon, uh, the full blood moon of October, uh, in conjunction with Aries, uh, up in Pittsburgh. It was a fantastic ball. It was my first time up at um, in Pittsburgh in oh, I would say maybe two decades, and. Uh, and it was fantastic to see so many individuals um, enjoying the night and celebrating their natures and partaking in the small uh, ceremony that I offered. It was fantastic.
2: Well, this is the most exciting I've ever heard anyone talking about Pittsburgh. Now, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm in Baltimore. So, of course, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, <laughs> oh, <you> know,
3: <laughs> Pittsburgh is the city of bridges. You know, they have more bridges in Pittsburgh than in, in any other city in the world. Even Venice has less city uh, bridges than Pittsburgh.
2: I did not know that.
3: Yes, it's true. Wow! And um, the great thing was that I was asked to present and conduct a ceremony uh, on building community, and I'm like, ah, like building bridges. There you go. Yes, like building bridges exactly. Pittsburgh, perfect place. It writes itself. So yeah, and it was fantastic to have uh, different people from different clans and houses to come up and
2: introduce themselves and it was terrific lots of inspiration
3: for me personally all right i think last question
2: you you just said sanguine moon and in in conjunction with aries and i and i know more or less what a sanguine moon is or blood moon is i know more or less what you know aries but what is the what's the significance of them together Uh, um
3: so, um, in the, the moons in different months have different names. And this is, a, traditionally, they have different names. I guess a, a combination of uh, old Europe calling different moons um, different names. So, uh, this particular October moon uh, can be called, by many other names, it can be called a blood ascendant. Um, and it seemed very appropriate to build on that name. Although it can also be called uh, a warrior's moon, right? Ah,
2: hence um, Ares.
3: It just seemed um, that it would be perfect to call it a sender. It is, after all, a vampire ball, uh, and blood, blood is life. Uh, you know, it flows through all of us, and it is uh, an archetype identity as as vampires so that it was um, a powerful imagery for us to utilize for our ceremony conjunction with aries full moon in aries the full moon in aries is assertive bold leading and uh, it tells you to focus not just on um, the things within yourself that you have to work on uh, but also relationships and partnerships and how you can make those things work uh, by uh, bearing the hatchet, building bridges, uh, and for going past grievances. So, it seemed like the perfect evocation for that night, um, since that was the kind of, uh, this is what the universe presented us. We Wonderful. Do, sir? And it was a perfect timing, perfect Excellent. timing. And auspicious timing is, uh, there's nothing better than a
2: squishy timing, right? It's fantastic. I agree. Serendipity. Or synchronicity, which uh, I know is a more exactly. yeah, more That's impactful word. Magic. That magic It's all magic. Perfect. It's all magic. What should I call what should I title the show? Hmm. And do you have a song that you would like as the outro? A song? Yeah, I like to play a song at the as the outro at the end of the song to sort of you know, that ties into the show in some way or another. And I I just fear that I'm going to come up with something too, you know, like witchy woman from the eagles or something that's too, too <laughs> trivial.
3: Oh, my. Um, oh, geez. Now the only thing that comes to mind is Wild Child by Wasp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Either that or Bella Lugosi is dead. Unfortunately, those are the two that come to mind right now.
2: I'll, I'll look for Bella. I think Wasp is probably too heavy for for my show, <laughs> but uh, Bella Lugosi is dead. I'll look into who's that by. Um,
3: I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you.
2: Who's that by? Who's the artist?
3: Oh, that's a very good question. I wish I could tell you.
2: Huh. I, I'm sure only one version will come up, but I'll check that. Okay, very good. Um. I know that we've covered it during the course of the show, but it's always good at the end to ask the guests uh, to promote whatever they want to promote and let people know where they can follow you and how they can support
3: you. Terrific, thank you so much. Um, Well, uh, my house is House of the Dreaming, and you can find our extensive collection of articles and philosophies if you just look at houseofthedreaming.net. Or.org, .org, and uh, you will find us through there. Um, the Iron Garden, the Court of the Iron Garden, you can simply look at um, irongarden.org, and that will lead us to the Iron Garden, the New Jersey Court. Um, if you are interested in um, venturing down to the ball in New Orleans, hosted by Coven of the Articulate, you can just type in covenofthearticulate.com for more information. And if you want to reach me personally, um, you can find me on Facebook. That's probably the best way to communicate because then you see me and I see a little bit of you as well. Um, and you can re- You can find me at oh, um, facebook.com and then it's slash and then it's madam, M-A-D-A-M-E. M-A-D-A-M-E. X dot
2: dreaming. Very good. And if you want to become a movie producer, you can go to the GoFundMe for Blood and Lust. So do that if you want to say you're in show business, like I like to do. Um <laughs> thank you so much for doing this interview with me a second time. I do think the second time was actually better than the first because uh, you know, I didn't step into as many things that I shouldn't have been stepped into. Uh, or not as awkwardly anyway. So thank you for your indulgence and your patience. But I think it oh, worked. thank you. Yeah, And I think it worked out because it's October and it's, it's, as you said, it's it's the perfect month. So maybe that was synchronously as well. But thank you. Good luck in all your endeavors. Um, we'll keep in touch and good luck with the upcoming events.
3: Thank you so much, Jeff. And you have a wonderful
2: night. Thank you. You do the same. All right, folks. Thanks very much. And you will hear us again next time in the Garden of Doom.